재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 As I have been mentioning to you throughout the week, we've been kind of holding our fire on this whole summit conversation, North-South Summit, uh, until it's over, and it is over now. Um, so we want to take it as a package deal. We're finally going to just unleash the entire rest of the hour on dissecting and picking apart the summit, not necessarily from a policy wonk standpoint, but uh, as this Dive in Korea segment always does with a keen ear to what Koreans think about it and what they are saying to each other, both offline and online on social media platforms. So that is what we are going to do in this special edition of Dive in Korea. We've got Hee Jin Gu in the studio. Joanne Jung is caught in a little early Chuseok traffic and she's going to walk in any second now. Hee it's you and me. <laughs> it's a it's a drizzly morning. It's um, a drizzly morning. So we've got a double whammy, the mm-hmm. rain and the early Chuseok traffic. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a delay, but uh, any second here, you may hear the uh, studio door click and Joanne, mildly out of breath, will join the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start. You know, we thought when we were talking about uh, how to structure this conversation, the best way is perhaps we start with the optics, the the things that meet the eye, uh, and perhaps some of the power of the visual symbols, then we'll get into the stuff that's on paper and the promises and the policy sort of implications of it. So let's together kind of recap some of the very potent things we saw this week. Oh, yes. Uh, what to, how to begin? There is well, so many Well, just chronologically. I mean, um, as soon as he arrived in Sunan um, Airport uh, on, 18th, on mm-hmm. the 18th, um, it gave uh, me flashbacks of the year 2000 when the late President uh, Kim Dae-jung stepped off his plane and looked Absolutely. so overwhelmed, <laughs> you know, looking at... You know the uh, the skies of Pyongyang, yes. and then he was like he was he was looking out, and then suddenly realizing Kim Jong Il was waiting for him on the yeah. tarmac. Yeah, that was a complete surprise. And this time, um, uh, not to fail, his own father Kim Jong Un also yeah. uh, showed up with his uh, first lady, with the first lady Lee Sochu in tow. Yes, you got the impression that it was a little bit expected this time because they opened the door on the on Moon Jae-in's aircraft and it was open for a little bit and then they went, oh, let's close it again. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was sort of this pregnant pause and then boom, there comes Kim Jong-un kind of walking down the red carpet uh, and putting himself in position to welcome Moon Jae-in at the bottom of the stairs. And then the door opens again and Moon Jae-in comes out. And surprisingly, the hug this time was not as officious as uh, the uh, back in May, which was quite a bear hug, but this time it was a little more, bit more cordial. But let me t- let me uh, point out, hugs are not normal in Korea, in South Korea. Right, um, it's more of a East European tradition. Absolutely, or, uh, uh, physical cultural. affection is not generally speaking uh, casually doled out here mm. in, in Korea. Mm. And uh, the fact that you know that that hug mm-hmm. is. Very uh, uh, relatively foreign uh, mm-hmm. compared uh, to, uh, let's say, uh, the m- more um, uh, reserved type of political greeting. Heej, I've handshake. told this story a thousand times on this program. I'll say mm-hmm. it one more time. Mm-hmm. Kim Dae-jung himself, who was in an interview way back when with us, mm-hmm. he said, you know, I'm Korean. My wife and I are Korean, so we don't hug. But when I won the Nobel Prize... We had to hug. <laughs> that kind of like gives you an idea uh, of of 
the Korean mindset towards hugging in general. It's, mm. it's, it is, uh, I guess you need a Nobel Prize first before mm. you get a hug, or you need to have a history-making summit before you uh, get a hug from the other leader. Absolutely. Joanne, good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> How <laughs> are you? My apologies. No worries. Yeah, look, it happens. <laughs> it is a tough traffic environment out there, and uh, rain is no fun in Seoul. People do, it, it's, it freezes traffic in a way. We're talking about some of the optics. Uh, when Kim Jong-un burst out and welcomed Moon Jae-in. It was a clear attempt to echo 2000. I think it was deliberate, mm. but it was powerful, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and this summit, regardless of how cynical you are, there's a lot of powerful images that cannot help but nudge you on an emotional level, right? Mm-hmm, that is absolutely um, true. Um, and especially when uh, suddenly we saw the two leaders uh, step into their respective vehicles. Mm-mm. But then when they were, uh, the, the um, screen suddenly came back on, Kim Jong-il was in Moon Jae-in's uh, Mercedes Benz and, and they were just, Uh, popping out of the roof, um, uh, open roof, and then waving to the 100,000 people yeah. lined up on the streets. Um, yes, uh, apparently Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un had stepped out of his vehicle and uh, got into moon. Uh, it got on into the moons, way. and they had that sort of hard back convertible, and uh, they were just having a bit of a ticker tape parade mm-hmm. there for a while. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, there is no shortage of crowd enthusiasm in Pyongyang and in North Korea. Mm-hmm. Um, It, it shows how airtight and secure the environment is. Mm-hmm. As an American, I have it in my spinal cord to remember, you know, the Kennedy JFK thing. And never, ever since has there been any kind of open car event since then in the U.S. But it, you can pull that kind of thing off in Pyongyang. And, uh, and surprisingly, um, the two leaders stepped out of the car to Uh, give uh, handshakes to the uh, people of Pyongyang one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see how excited the people of Pyongyang were. Not, be- not necessarily because of Moon Jae-in himself, but because they've never seen Kim Jong-un up Sure. Close. That is very true. Yeah, and yeah. I think all throughout this particular summit, the media was reporting that it appeared that Kim Jong Un was trying to come off as a more approachable leader. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's a bit relatively young for for a leader of you know a totalitarian regime, and I think he's made a, a, a conscious attempt Mm-mm. to really say, okay, I'm here, but I'm not that really hard stance figure that you're used to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a, a you know an approach to. I'm a bit more like more Kim Il Sung. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's and, what he's going for. And uh, when he was, uh, when uh, President Moon Jae-in was going up, uh, uh, there was this one point where he bowed to the people of Pyongyang. Right. Huge. And yeah. that, uh, people call it the 90 degree bow, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, that deep, but yeah. it was quite deep. It, <laughs> it was, was quite deep for a, um, for, uh, you know, any bow of South Korean standards. Still, it would have been the first time that A, uh, uh, that North Koreans have seen a leader bow that deep to the people of the normal people uh, of Pyongyang. It's an extraordinarily powerful gesture as Koreans and uh, as somebody who reads the Korean mindset about these things. Do you think the North Koreans perceived it that way? A leader bowing to the the people, the populace? That would have been, the, the image itself would have been extremely surprising. And Uh, and more importantly enough, the bow was not edited uh, in North Korean broadcasts. And that speaks volumes. It shows the North Korean people what 
a leader should be like. It should. It you shows, are my bosses. The exactly. People, that kind exactly. Of thing. I serve you. Mm. I'm, I, I, I hope that that's the way the North Koreans were reading it. Uh, my, my more cynical mind wonders if that wasn't seen by some as sort of a bow by proxy to the regime or to the government or to Kim or what have you. That was talked about by a few foreign media outlets and a few media outlets here, but it was quickly, it quickly died down. I yeah. think people were more excited about the fact that the leader was doing something like that. And um, people, you know, especially, uh, you know, defectors from North Korea, they specifically talked about this. Um, through TV and media interviews here in South sure. Korea, saying that not even seniors bow to their juniors in, in school. Mm-hmm. I mean, let alone a leader bowing to the people of, of a country. That, that's just, you know, extraordinary. And it didn't go by unnoticed. unnoticed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is, for me, one of the more powerful images. Um, we are going to, as the hour goes by, get into the substance of what Moon Jae-in said, that speech was extraordinary. The, the fact that a South Korean leader got to speak in front of 150,000 North Koreans in public, live, mm-hmm. that speaks volumes. Yes. Um, and I, I was, and the, the speech itself was um, uh, very moving, emotional, as it warranted. Um, and uh, it, Let's. We'll go back. We'll go into uh, the details. We'll yeah. pick apart the 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 speeches, the declarations. But the the images itself was yeah. incredible. Yeah, the, uh, this was the the moon speech was not carried live in North Korea. That would no, be, that would no, be way too risky. Mm-hmm. But um, it was covered obviously, and the fact even just one hundred fifty thousand people in one place listening to a South Korea. Korean leader live was uh, very important. Let's see what else. Um, The other thing, you know, there's the usual sort of summit uh, ceremonies, dinners and whatnot. But the other thing was, of course, the powerful image of being on top of Mount Bektu and holding their uh, hands together. We've got to leave a little time for the comments, but um, tell me a little bit about the significance of that, either of you. You know, Mount Bektu is a very, very significant mountain here, both in South Korea and in North Korea. You know, in, in popular folklore or mythology, it was the birthplace of Tangun, who was the founder of the first kingdom of Korea. I think there is some controversy because there are some um, claims from North Korea saying that this is a birthplace of Kim Jong-il. And this gives credibility to or legitimacy to the, the Kim regime over the past 70 years. So the South Korean leader going there and celebrating his climb from the Korean side was seen by some as a victory and some as sort of like, a mm, that's a danger zone. Now I'm part of your narrative yeah, kind of thing. You exactly. know, I, Let's not forget that North Korea's uh, the foundation of uh, the DPRK is based on Kim Il-sung's uh, uh, heroic fight against the, the Japanese, Japanese yeah. uh, on Mount Baekdu. And it, the bloodline of the Kim family is actually called the uh, uh, line. So uh, that sort of irked some South Koreans mm. that okay. uh, are... Uh, that South Korean, the South Korean president uh, would uh, visit. Okay, we've got the robo. I don't mean to rush this along, but we've got robo readers on standby with comments from Koreans. Let's hear what they have to say. Seeing the pictures on TV make my heart soar. I hope this path that South and North Korea are walking together is full of peace and prosperity. Pyongyang isn't the only city in North Korea. And we all know it's where the country's elite live. If we want to see the truth, we need to see other parts of the country. 
The most important thing is denuclearization. But how much progress was made regarding this? We can talk about peace and Kim visiting Seoul, but that needs to be done after the North denuclearizes. Constant communication and friendly relations is a way to persuade someone to put down their weapons. I don't think that saying I'll only become your friend if you put down your weapons first will be very effective. In order for all this mistrust to be cleared, there needs to be constant exchanges like this one. I think the US already has a good grasp on how willing Kim is to denuclearize, they're not going to be fooled into signing the end of war declaration through another nuclear site destruction show. No matter how hard the North tries to fool Trump, they're not going to fool nuclear experts. I don't think Kim will hear what he wants to hear through the upcoming US-South Korea summit. I truly hope President Moon's dream comes true, because it's our dream, too. We're being cautious because we've been betrayed twice before, but I can't help but hope that things will be different this time, I hope things go well. And more summit talk on this North Korea-South Korea summit this week coming up as Dive In Korea continues right after this. This is Koreascape, and we're devoting the whole hour, most of it, to a Dive In Korea discussion of this week's North-South summit between Moon Jae-in and Kim Jong-un. We spent the first block talking about the powerful optics, the symbols, the meetings and gatherings, the photo ops, what was happening at the level that meets the eye. Now we're going to dive into the substance of what was exchanged, both in terms of the declaration and what was said there on the ground in Pyongyang. Zhou Anzhong and Heejin Gu are here to help us talk through that. Heejin, uh, how do we start baby-stepping into the substance of what was uh, declared in Pyongyang? Okay, uh, let me hit you with the good news, bad news. Okay. The good news is we finally have Kim Jong-un saying uh, in person that he will rid uh, the Korean Peninsula of nuclear weapons. Do I hear an if there? Well, let's hear the clip. Okay. Okay, what what Kim Jong-un basically said was, we have agreed to actively strive to make the Korean Peninsula a land of peace that is free from nuclear weapons and nuclear threat, ending decades of desperate and tragic conflict and history of hostilities. And Moon Jae-in and his follow-up uh, um, speech said, uh, a Korean peninsula free of war has begun to take shape. The South and North agree today to eliminate all risks that could lead to war from all parts of the Korean peninsula. By turning the Korean peninsula into a permanent peace zone, we are now able to bring our lives back to normal. Now, this 
uh, implies that there has been a sort of a big picture agreement. But um, again, this is all contingent on North Korea's uh, negotiations, the currently stalled negotiations with the US Mm. regarding the denuclearization issue. I would just add as a side note, it's quite extraordinary to hear the voice of Kim Jong-un so frequently as we have done Mm. uh, and to be able to comment on the vocal tone and everything else from, you know, uh, Kim Jong-il was in there from what, 1995, I think, till 2011. And we heard never a peep from him in any public circumstance or very, very, very seldom. So that's interesting. Uh, Joanne, substantively, when I see the words in English, I don't uh, have the exact Korean copy right in front of me, but we have agreed to actively strive to make. That sounds a lot to me like I promise to think about my diet tomorrow, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's very much what it is because we don't have active steps. We don't have a timeline, specifics of what is what is going to happen and when it's going to happen. This is like a lot of people have pointed out. It's just a repeat of history. So, I mean, we, we should take a positive stance on this, mm. but, you know, it might happen. It might not happen. Well, and we've we've had much more robust language than this in the past, in agreements. We've covered mm-hmm. that territory. We've had timetables, we've had declarations and everything. Has that all gone down the memory hole, basically? Um, this is like starting literally from scratch. Okay, um, let's just uh, concentrate on the good news. Okay? <laughs> okay, just, just, and then I'll move on to the bad news. All right. Okay, you, you're you're jumping bad. around again. I'm trying to hose okay. down your good news. I'm sorry for that. Okay. Um, uh, under the Pyongyang Declaration, North Korea will permanently dismantle the Tongchangni missile engine test site and launch a platform uh, and launch platform under the observation of experts uh, mm-hmm. from relevant countries. Nor- the North also um, expressed its willingness to continue its additional measures, uh, such as um, the permanent dismantlement of the nuclear facilities in Yongbyon. Um, there is a caveat here as the U.S. takes corresponding measures mm. in accordance with the spirit of the June 12th U.S.-DPRK joint statement. Now, Yongbyon is North Korea's primary facility in the production of weapons-grade plutonium. Um, and also the kicker, Kim Jong-il, uh, sorry, Kim Jong-un will uh, visit Seoul within this year if there is no major complications, according to Moon. Wow, so, what uh, a story that is, that's going to be if it happens. But uh, that's that's extraordinary in its own way. That is that is what uh, uh, Kim, uh, is entered exactly into the declaration itself directly. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not the first time a North Korean leader has promised to visit Seoul. Uh, mm-hmm. Kim Jong Il did so. His father, Kim Jong Un's father, did so in his uh, June fifteenth declaration back in two thousand with Kim Dae Jung. But uh, it did not happen. And that agreement also was just orally. It did, was not entered into uh, the June 15th declaration. But this time it is actually it within the declaration itself. And Moon said this will happen within this year, barring no complications. Mm. So um, that is uh, something, um, well, we can be uh, interested in. But here comes the bad news. Okay. The summit failed to yield what the U.S. was desperately seeking. 
which is uh, any plans to declare its nuclear materials or arsenals. Uh, Plus, the declaration did not mention North Korea's highly enriched uranium facilities, most of them located underground, and thus there is no information on their whereabouts. Now, this is what the U.S. is looking for. And, you know, if, uh, if the North Koreans had mentioned that this is forthcoming and there's a certain timeline, that would have been more exciting. But mm-hmm. according to uh, President Moon Jae-in, who actually spoke to the press after he arrived from Baekdu yesterday, he said the North Korea essentially has promised to comply with the U.S. demands for CDID, which is the complete, verifiable and irreversible denuclearization of its nuclear arsenal. Right. So it's first steps in what North Korea would like uh, to handle as a phased process. We're early enough in the negotiations with Trump and the Trump administration and so so on that we can still say, all right, there's a little bit of road ahead. There's a little bit of a period ahead for uh, for this to actually go somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it surely must come as a, uh, a mild disappointment to Washington. I heard one expert say, a WMD expert say, you know, that uh, Yongbyon reactor mm-hmm. is probably getting a little tired by now. It's not that big of a sacrifice for North Korea to dismantle it. But every day, those centrifuges that are processing the uranium, they're still turning out uh, nuclear fissile material and the stockpile of nuclear weapons is uh, continuing to increase. increase. And we cannot forget the images of the cooling tower being exploded in Yongbyon facility. But then, you know, within within a few years, it was back and running. Right. I want to say to the listeners, if you've got anything to contribute to all of this, uh, you are most welcome. You should text us at pound 101. If you want to text, if you do that, or reach us via the TBS app or via social media. We are Koreascape on Facebook or Twitter. Let's see. Um, Donald Trump seemed excited about this. Um, You know, and he got another letter. He likes letters. He loves them, actually. And he uh, tweeted that Kim Jong-un has agreed to allow nuclear inspections subject to final negotiations and to permanently dismantle a test site and launch pad in the presence of international experts. Now, I don't know where he got the nuclear inspections from. Um, That was not mentioned in the declaration itself. He said inspectors could come to see the test site being dismantled. Do I have that right? No, the thing is, the thing is, he said uh, in the tweet, nuclear inspections. Yeah, uh, what, which nuclear, means something very specific. Very specific yeah. uh, in IAEA terms. Sure. So there may be three explanations for this. Um, the first uh, is what we hope for, that there have been more discussions regarding the inspections that there that, that that was during the uh, uh, North Korea-South Korea summit. Uh, and Moon, Jae- Moon Jae-in alluded to as much during yesterday's press conference. Uh-huh. Um, the second uh, explanation is that could be that uh, President Trump misunderstood. Yeah, um, that's where my money's going. But, and the third is he intentionally misunderstood. Yeah. That could be a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going for the easy phrase, uh, mm-hmm. the easy tweet, uh, wishful thinking sort of made real by that unique process of Trump thinking that is so often discussed. Uh, we've got some actual comments, if I may uh, cue those now. Our reporter Kang Jae-un frequently goes out and asks at street level what people are thinking about the summit. Let's hear that. Here's what people had to say about the recent inter-Korean summit. 
The event is to some extent staged, but there also was a bond of sympathy that developed between the two leaders. It assures us and our brothers and sisters in the north that a war will not happen on the Korean peninsula for a while. However, the military agreement is not in our favor. It's a disadvantage for us if the two Koreas pull back the same number of guard posts. North Korea has 160 of them, but Korea only has 60. Reducing its numbers by the same rate does not make sense. Well, any time that you've got high-level summits, most of it is show business, yes. There's been high-level summits before, but look where we are today. Really nothing's changed. Yeah, but, but that time the economy wasn't that bad. Right now, North Korea economy is so low. So I think Kim Jong-un realized what's happening. So yeah. he's willing to give up some, which I think he gave a lot of stuff. But Trump hasn't put anything on his table. Yeah. That's just way too ridiculous. Kim has said that he's going to blow up one of the engine test sites, but that doesn't mean that there are two or three others that are already established, up and running, and more productive than the one he's going to blow up. And that's the kind of thing that makes people think, well, this is show business. It's not serious negotiations. I thought about whether the summit will mean the two Koreas will have more in-depth talks in the future, but at the same time, I'm concerned that they might be taking advantage of the South for political gain after making us feel hopeful. I heard that the younger generation is a lot more aware, so Kim Jong-un has probably also realized that he can't control the public the way they used to in the old days. Since the North has a lot more to lose in a war, instead of continuing their nuclear threats, they should take official steps to get rid of their nuclear test sites in return for goods, financial support and technology from the South and the U.S. I was satisfied to see the relationships improving between the two Koreas. However, there should be more details on how the two Koreas will change and manage the country after reunification. I think President Moon went with CEOs of large local conglomerates to the north to meet with North Korea's economic government officials to discuss ways the two countries can start boosting economic cooperation. To add, usually the Pekdudega mountain is a hard place to hike, but judging by the weather there, it could be a sign that even the universe is hoping for unification on the peninsula. So interesting, the allusions to the weather and the universe. That that seems very Asiatic to me, to, yeah, to link weather phenomena. Yeah, they were pretty lucky, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fall. The skies are high and the horses are fat. No, the right? thing is, uh, in Baekdu, there's a 10% chance that you can right. actually get to see yeah. the Chunji. I've been to the Baekdu uh, uh, Chunji before, and I have been lucky, extremely lucky, to have seen the Chunji all the five times that I was there. Yeah. The thing is... Um, it is very rare. The the the, um, the uh, guide told me one in ten chance, one in ten, ten chance. So pray before you uh, uh, go up the Chanji. So not only did they make it there, but they got a great photo op, uh, which was uh, something extraordinary.
Time creeps up on us. How do we make the most of this time? Let's go kind of uh, double time through some of the significant substance developments of this meeting. Okay, there was a considerable amount of agreements regarding the military aspects between uh, the two Koreas. The two sides will extend the current four uh, kilometer demilitarized buffer zone with the military uh, demarcation line as the standard line to 10 kilometers and a 40-kilometer-wide uh, no-fly zone along the western part of MDL and a 80-kilometer one along the eastern side to prevent accidental aircraft clashes. Uh, a joint security area in and around the Truce village of Pamunjam would be disarmed. The agreement calls for the withdrawal of soldiers and weapons from the 11 frontline guard posts each on a trial basis. So hypothetically, this that Panmunjom defection of a North Korean soldier where he got shot four or five times in the back could not happen under this new agreement because they'd be disarmed. Uh, they would be uh, the shooting may not occur. Yeah, okay. No. The shooting <laughs> All right. may not occur. Okay. Um, what this means, uh, okay, the measure is designed to keep intact the maritime peace zone uh, near the northern limit line um, and uh, set a joint fishing area. Um, th- the no-fly zone uh, uh, issue is definitely a concession for the South Koreans because its air force outstrips that of North Korea. You know what else? By miles. By miles. There's no comparison. And it also, I think, provides cover for Moon to crack down on all the people that want to launch balloons and leaflets and Mm. drones and stuff like that. These defector groups will have zero chance to uh, launch their balloons if it's uh, it's a no-fly zone like that. I don't know if that covers the balloons, but Mm. that's my... My sense is that it provides sort of the political cover to say absolutely no balloon flies. Uh, The maritime agreement itself is aimed at circumventing uh, tragedies such as the first and second Yunpyong naval clashes Mm -hmm. back in 1999 and 2002. And the sinking of the warship Chonan back in 2010, sure. all of which resulted in the deaths of a combined 54 of our brave uh, uh, servicemen. Uh, and But this is another case for contor- uh, controversy. Yeah. There has been no apology regarding this uh, clash incident yeah. uh, from the north. Um, and, you know, the, the premise for such peace gesture is to defuse potential military threat. But... Have we given too much? Mm-hmm. Now, the no-fly zone Im- implies that uh, South Korea cannot have eyes on North Korea if it decides to act provocatively again. So... Um, uh, it has uh, it has uh, garnered criticism by uh, the conservative liberal, liberal Korea uh, Party, um, which has said that uh, this is effectively neutral neutralizes South Korea's uh, military capacity. And As you said, it's a bigger concession from the South side. Yeah. We're being disarmed, but we're talking about giving them reconnection of our railways and our roads. Kungang tours and we're infrastructure about, bonanza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it looks like we're losing and they're winning when it comes to all the optics and what was talked about, especially during the second day of this particular summit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's zoom in on the Moon Jae-in speech. Mm-hmm. Um, the speech to 150,000 North Koreans in a stadium. Let's look at exactly what he said. Pyongyang 시민 여러분, 동포 여러분, 우리 민족은 우수합니다. 우리 민족은 강인합니다. 우리 민족은 평화를 사랑합니다. 그리고 우리 민족은 함께 살아야 합니다. 
Okay, so what he said was, uh, dear citizens of Pyongyang, fellow brethren, our people are great, our people are strong, our people love peace, and our people must live together. Mm. He went on further to say that, uh, quote, we have lived together for 5,000 years and have lived apart for 70. I propose that we take a big leap of peace to put an end to 70 years of hostilities and to become as one again. Um, Now, this was a very emotional speech written specifically to appeal to the North Korean public or, let's say, the Pyongyang elite. Again, nothing remotely narrative challenging in there. It could have been written by a North Korean speechwriter, but the fact that it took place is is important in and of itself, a South Korean leader addressing North Koreans directly like that. Mm -hmm. Guys, we've got one more clip of uh, people commenting online, and because that's what this segment's all about, I'd like to roll that, read by the robo-readers. Let's hear what people think of the North-South Summit. I'd like to applaud the president for a truly moving speech, but I want to ask him this. Has he thought about the countless unemployed youth of the country? Does he truly think that removing the green belt will help lower housing prices? Private business owners are struggling to keep their part-time employees because of the rising minimum wage, and many are being forced to close down their business. China's technology is catching up fast and is a huge threat to our steel, car and semiconductor industries. During his presidential campaign, he emphasized the fourth industrial revolution. But we haven't seen or heard anything regarding that yet. I think he's done enough regarding relations with North Korea and should focus on internal issues. I'm not sure that this is the right thing to do. I'm just worried that history will repeat itself and we'll end up helping the North through things like the Kaesung Industrial Complex and their tourism program and not getting anything in return. After the war, we received help from various countries and worked hard as a country for 50 years in order to get to where we are today. We've achieved significant and impressive economic development within a short period of time, but many are still struggling. I'm not sure if we're in a position to help the North. Please President Moon, think of your people first. Think of those who put their trust in you and voted for you. Everyone's having a hard time. Taxes are increasing, but less profit is being made by businesses, and employees' wages are not keeping up with tax increases. The economy needs to improve and people need to be comfortable in order for them to think about helping North Korea, going on tours to Baekdu Mountain, and reunification. Only then will you go down in history as a successful president. Joanne, I hear a real theme there in those messages. North Korea is fine, but it's the economy, silly, you know? Right. I mean, the excitement since April has dined out significantly. People are focused on the economy. All this talk about peace and reunification. They're saying, you know, if we come together, it might help the economy. But I think a lot of people think otherwise. Yeah. yeah, And to reflect such sentiment, Moody's Investor Service was reserved in its analysis of the summit. Uh, While the third inter-Korean summit significantly reduced tensions on the Korean peninsula, uncertainties in Washington-Pyongyang ties are likely to put off permanent peace settlement, the Global uh, Sovereign and Corporate Credit Rating Service said yesterday. Imagine what markets will do if we see 
Kim Jong Un sauntering along on the streets of Karusogil, even even Jeju Island, <laughs> or Kangnam, or wherever it is they meet. And uh, I tell you, the national police must and the the military must be biting their nails about uh, the possible security implications mm. of that stuff. Guys, we're out of time. It's been a fun dive in Korea, and I'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.